if you're uh, are you a warrior? If you're a Warriors fan, are you excited about a sweep, or does it make it for a boring finals? I'd I'd like uh, you know I'd like seven game bu- buzzer beater myself. But. Yeah, you're a much more disciplined fan than I am in that way. I'd like four consecutive blowouts, then I can just relax. Yeah, that's interesting. I get I get edgy. I've never been into that, but. Well, I'm not into it. It's an instinctive thing. I feel threatened <laughs> by the prospect of a loss. Maybe it's because I played lots and lots of sports. And, man, I didn't want exciting games. I wanted to throw no hitter, and we scored 20 runs. Well, That's, if I'm playing, it'd be a yeah. completely different situation. But as a fan, it's just a TV show. Um you know, interesting, it's too much sports. Well, how much sports is enough sports? Maybe that's one of the things we'll talk about on our panels here in New York City oh. at the big talk radio convention that we're at. We've been asked to save the industry. I mean, more or less, to appear on a panel talking for like 35 minutes about a topic. Joe made this comment the other day, but it's absolutely true, and it's just a weird thing about our career. People have been saying, sometimes like really big people in the radio industry, among the biggest, have been saying we're the next big thing or the future of talk radio for like 20 years, yeah. and then soon we'll be old and retired. We'll and be we'll... the past of talk radio, quite <laughs> literally. And it will have never happened. You will yeah. have never been the now of talk radio. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're always the future of talk radio. Damn it. And, uh, and in many cases, it's kind of like the Sports Illustrated curse, where if you end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you immediately break your ankle or something like that. We've had people say we're the next big thing in talk radio and die. Yeah, we've had people we've had people say we're the next big thing in talk radio and immediately get fired for some scandal. And I'm not kidding in this very, very city. Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, we were to be the uh, the the guys on the station and then the station stopped being the station because the guys, the other guys did some stuff that was really bad. Yeah, it's just we we are the Sports (laughs) Illustrated curse. Praise us and your career is over. But trust me, this is not complaining. No, I know. It's it's mostly amusing. If nothing changes from here, I'm perfectly fine with I've gotten zero complaints. Yeah, if I ever start complaining, slap me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but it's fun to be here. And, you know, I want to say publicly, the folks at WOR 710, which is a, a legendary radio station in America, it is a, a gigantic, historic uh, talk radio station in New York City. Some of the giants of the industry have been here. Bob Grant, who is a genius, radio genius. Um, they have been princes to us today. They've been so helpful and so nice. Somebody must have, some, somebody must have misled them about our import. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they heard the next big thing thing. I don't know. But uh, they've been great to us. So thanks to everybody here. I mean, just they couldn't be nicer. Yeah. I uh, ran into our agent out in the lobby, and he's uh, he's got us set up all day long with meetings of people who either actually like us or are going to pretend to like us. It's, hard, it's again, always hard to tell which. Again. That's the, that there are three levels in show business. There's openly disdainful of you. You want to, you want to avoid that one. <laughs> it hurts a little bit. Then level two is they think enough of you to pretend to think something of you. And then level three is they actually think a lot of you. Sure, but the other two are good. Be- better to be two than one. Right. Right. So, uh, just to, uh, to finish up a discussion from the previous, uh, hour. Uh, turns out, Sacramento, California, it's the capital, don't you know, of the state of California, is the third uh, biggest destination for millennials to move to in America after Seattle, which is just dripping with hip, dripping with cool. Although frequently people get there and, and you know, self-congratulations about how cool you are can only get so far. I happen to know uh, a, a couple of Portlanders 
who are leaving Portland because, in the words of one gent, they are so up their ass about how cool they are. <laughs> um, and that'll get you a long way among young hipsters, no doubt. But That's going to you... befoul your beard. <laughs> And uh, that will get you a, a certain amount of uh, of youngsters moving there than discovering how mind-bogglingly expensive it is. You know, San Francisco well, is, is the West Coast equivalent. Well, I'm be, sorry, the California equivalent on the West Coast. Being broke doesn't feel as cool. I moved to... Oh, uh, Lord. When I, moved, I moved to Kansas City when I was young from... You know, I'd been rural my whole life. I moved to Kansas City and thought it was going to be kind of the cool big city look. But if you're broke and working three jobs... It it had no appeal. No. I had no with three jobs. I had no time to do anything, and I had no money to do anything. So, okay, it might be cool for the rest of you. Yeah, but it wasn't so cool for me. Yeah, you all seem to be enjoying it. But so uh, after Seattle and Columbia, South Carolina, which I've have you ever been there? I hear Columbia, South Carolina. Are yeah. you kidding? I could walk down the street there today and run into people. I need to avert my gaze and duck down an alley. Oh Lord, is that I've another had, city you've been banned from? I've had many, many long nights in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, that was back when I was raising babies, house full of babies. I never went anywhere when it's, we lived in Charlotte. It's a big college town in the Five Points area where all the streets come together. Is just oh, insane. Five Points. It's Four just, is plenty. It's just an insane town. So you got that, and and uh, my little brother was stationed in uh, what's the what's the Charleston for a while and they did Columbia and stuff. He says it's fantastic. But anyway, that's number two. Sacramento is the third uh, most popular destination for those ages 20 to 31 in America um, according to U.S. Census data, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, it, uh, Sacramento saw more than 16,000 new millennial-aged residents in 2016. Uh, oh, there was out-migration as well, but blah, blah, blah. Um uh, just missing out on the top five was San Jose. Isn't that interesting? So as many people leave San Jose to go to Sacramento because of the expense of it, you still have a, an influx of, young, uh, influx of youngsters going to uh, San Jose. Uh, they talk about the burgeoning food, art scene, blah, blah, blah. And what else? Uh, Sacramento grew faster than the 10 largest cities in California last year, according to the California Department of Finance. I don't know if it was the fastest city, a growing city in California, but uh, okay. All right, so there you have it. Way to go, Sacramento. So I'll leave you. Cowtown, indeed. I'll I'll leave you with this before we take a break. So there in Australia, you got Pippa the Terrier. It's a cute little terrier, cute little dog. One of your little pocket dogs, little yappy dog. Is it a particularly well-known dog? Well, it is. It is. It kind of became famous in Australia because uh, there was this crocodile that would wander onto this guy's. Yard and Pippa the Terrier would go barking after the crocodile, and the crocodile would run off oh, into the water. That's a gutsy little dog. And it became like a YouTube Facebook sensation. It had been that way for a very long time. And I'll bet you have parents telling your kids, be more like Pippa. You know what? Sure, there's a bully at school. Sure, you're not sure of yourself, whatever. But you can be more like little Pippa. That's right. For Hillary. a decade, this little dog had been chasing this same alligator back into the water, and people get it's like a it's practically a tourist thing. Ought to put Pip on the flag at this point. And now there are plenty of Facebook videos when the crocodile finally said, after ten years, you know what? That's enough. I've done the math. I think I can take care of this situation and ate the freaking little dog. And it's on video, and uh, it's available for everyone to see. <laughs> see? Wow. I've heard people say if horses ever realized how big they are, people wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. Apparently this. Uh, croc. Remembered he was a croc. The owner said they admitted after the incident that it was quote, something that had a high probability of happening sometime. 
That's a very Aussie thing to say. Uh, that very owner can be heard screaming in horror, along with other onlookers in the video. Oh, Lord. Pippa runs toward the crocodile, as she had done countless times before, over ten years. This time, she got close to the animal's head. It lunges, quickly disappears into the river with the dog, and not to be seen again. Oh, Pippa. There you go. Oh, Pippa. He was just doing what crocs do, said the owner. Yeah. That croc didn't go crazy. That croc went croc. There you have it. Little Pippa. So that is a life lesson for you kids. That that bully, that challenge, that fear, don't take it on. It will eat you <laughs> and drag you into a river and drown you. Uh, lefties continuing to enjoy beating up Bill Clinton over his uh, performance about Monica Lewinsky earlier in the week on the Today Show. <laughs> Shoveling dirt on the Clinton people. Comparing him to Trump, kind of a uh, pretty good scathing report on that coming up from the New York Times. We are in New York City. That's right. We're eating New York pizza. We're rode the subway here. We're actually broadcasting from the top of the Statue of Liberty. That's what we're doing. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of the nation. You know, Michael, I, I did tell you you can lean on this song as much as you want, but uh, too much. Too much. There are many fine, fine songs about the great financial capital of the world, New York City. I've looked around New York. I can't make it here. So, <laughs> I think I can. I can make it in Hoboken, but <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I, uh, I'll i never forget my first trip to New York because it had, it, it had loomed uh, large in my imagination my entire life. As mm. a kid, you know, all like all sitcoms were set in New York when I was a kid. A lot of them still are. And uh, just had this vision of New York. And not only had I never been to New York until I was dang near 30 years old, I didn't even know anybody who'd ever been to New York. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's just, I grew yeah. up in a world where just that was just not something anybody ever did. And the first time I ever came here, and how how compact it is, how close everything is together, especially if you know if you live on the West Coast where everything's so far apart, states are far apart, cities are far apart, and then inside, like Los Angeles, everything's really far apart. Mm-hmm. But in New York, Wall Street, Madison Square Garden, Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Broadway, Central Park—all these things you've heard about are within walking distance of each other. Yeah, you know, or that's right over there, that's right over there. There's the UN Building. And all the and so much stuff happening at one time. It's just it's it's mind boggling. Yeah, it's exciting. And I can see how you could get if you grew up that way. It'd be difficult to go to a life where there's not one earth shattering event happening within a hundred miles of you, let alone six at one time. Back in 1907, there was the big cattle incident, but <laughs> you know that's it. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it's my uh, mom and dad grew up right across the river in Teaneck, New Jersey, and um. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time there. I actually lived there as a kid for a while. And uh, and I'd go see Grandma and Grandpa and Aunts and Uncles every year. And, and we'd uh, look at New York. You know, we'd spend some time on the river and, and came here now and again as a youngster. I remember walking up the spiral staircase in the Statue of Liberty back when you could do that. Um, and then uh, decades went by and I never made it back. And I wanted to. So this is fun. Unfortunately, virtually every second of our time is Tied up doing work stuff. Yeah, we're not going to do anything in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to have anything New Yorky to do. The only New Yorky thing it. I'm doing is taking a train out of it Saturday morning to go see a little D in D.C. But um, that's fun to be here anyway. 
couple of columnists in the New York Times that I'm reading today, though, that I thought were interesting. They're, That's a uh, newspaper here in New York. Left-leaning columnists uh, blasting, uh, at least to a certain extent, some Democrats. Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, sultans of pity, according to Frank Bruni. I'll just read excerpts from both of these articles because I think they're both kind of interesting. Move over Alec Baldwin. Bill Clinton does a much better impersonation of Donald Trump. (laughs) The hair is wrong, but the air is right. Self-righteous, self-pitying, and suffused with anger that anyone would peddle a version of events less heroic than the one he prefers. (laughs) Wow. That's quite a blast. That's a shot because Bruni was a huge Clinton guy. Heck yeah, that's quite a blast of two-term popular president Bill Clinton by the New York Times. I, you know, listen. Suffused with anger that anyone would peddle a version of events less heroic than the one he prefers. We're shaming him about an ancient groping when we should be showering with showering him with eternal gratitude. And what about his pain? Well, I tell you this. Uh, uh, with all due respect to the sins of Willie Jeff, he, he was a much more effective fake charity money launderer than he was a president. He was a pretty decent president. But uh, is there any way he can play this right uh, he could not get angry that you even dare ask a question about it. That, that would help a lot. was the editing. They edited it to make it, they, they chop parts out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll read a little bit of this. Um, I left the White House $16 million in debt, Clinton said in an interview on NBC's Today Show. Yeah, for about five minutes. Batting back questions about whether he had demonstrated sufficient contrition for converting a 22-year-old's romantic idolization of him into sexual favors. That's an interesting way to put it. And setting off a sequence of events that savaged her. I don't know what legal bills have to do with a moral ledger, but I can see that his fixations on money and martyrdom are intact. (laughs) That's pretty good. Before cries of false equivalents shadow windows and startle forest creatures, I should make clear that I'd take Clinton over Trump in any role any day. Of course, he has to point that out. Um... The line about forest creatures was pretty funny. Yeah, but he he gets into the whole... uh, um, when Clinton said, basically said, oh, yeah, other people did it. What about Kennedy and Johnson? That's not a good look either. No, you no. Know, that's not that's not the way to handle that. Although that was in reference. Here I am litigating for Bill Clinton. How did this happen? But the the question was whether he should have resigned. And he was answering that uh, scenario. Well, then you'd had to have Kennedy and, and Johnson resign. Well, he's lost his political skills as an old man, apparently, because you, you, you yeah. got to understand the moment we're in with the whole Me Too thing and everything like that. you got to go full on, uh, you know, I was wrong. No punishment is too great for what I did. And, 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 then, and then turn it toward I'm going to dedicate my life to blah, blah, blah. No way. I'm saying Thomas Jefferson had slaves. <laughs> he knocked him up. You saying I'm worse than Thomas Jefferson? I didn't have any slaves. How about you? Did just, you have slaves? I had a Zoftic bimbo on my staff. What does that make me? The Antichrist? Slighten up. Come on. That's what I just said. So anyway, you got that. Then you got Maureen Dowd in the New York Times uh, talking about the Ben Rhodes book that is out now, an advisor to Barack Obama. And he's talking about his time in the uh, Obama White House and some of the excerpts that have come out. Um, ba 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 ba. As, this is from Maureen Dowd, who who traveled with Obama and thought it was a magical time and and just one of the greatest things that's ever happened in America. Yeah. As President Obama always found us wanting, we were constantly <laughs> disappointing him. He would tell us the right thing to do and then sigh and purse his lips when his instructions were not followed. God, that's good. Yeah. Shortly after Donald Trump was elected, Rhodes writes in his new book, "The World as It Is." Obama asks asks his aides, "What if we were wrong?" 
But in the next breath, the president made it clear that what he meant was, what if we were wrong in being so right? What if we were too good for these people? Right. So advanced, so enlightened, so futuristic in our finely tuned morality that we freaked out the mere mortals, the cavemen that are the American people. Yeah, God, can you come up with anything more self-serving and pretentious than that? Maybe we push too far, the president continued. Maybe people just want to fall back into their tribe. So really... Oh, that's right. So the... Oh, oh, sorry, Maureen. You're a more uh, esteemed commentator than even me. Go ahead. So really, Maureen Dowd says, he's not acknowledging any flaws, but simply wondering if if we were even more benighted than he thought. He's saying that, sadly, we were not enlightened enough for the momentous changes wrought by the smartest people in the world, or even evolved enough for the first African-American president. So, right, let's... We look. weren't just a... Re- <laughs> this is from Maureen Dowd, then I'll shut up. Honestly. We We just weren't ready for his amazing awesomeness. <laughs> God, that's, that's some really good sarcasm. That's a pretty big shot from Maureen Dowd of the New York Times. Well, listen, let's take a look at the, the two sides of the ledger as described by uh, the anointed one, the Savior. We were so advanced toward the inevitable goodness that we freaked out the cavemen. But the only objection he can imagine the cavemen having is that we're dumb, tribal, read racist brutes. It couldn't possibly be we think the policies suck, that more government will ruin the country, not save it. It's got to just be dumb, brute tribalism. We're running around in loincloths, grunting at each other. That's the only possible objection we, to Ben Rhodes and, and Barack Obama. We just weren't ready for his awesomeness. Yeah, jeez, Louise. Seriously? I don't. Uh, people I agree with, it annoys me when they can't conceive of the other side. Because you can't win the argument unless you can figure out, oh, that's what the other side thinks. Okay, I'll demonstrate to them why that doesn't work effectively, why the unforeseen consequences are way worse, why the cure is worse than the disease. But if you just assume they're lunatics or idiots or cavemen, runners, you're never going to win the argument. God, that's some pretentious ass, dude. So uh, we're busy in New York City all day long today and tomorrow, and then uh, at least I'm leaving early in the morning on Saturday, so I'll do nothing New York-y. But if you had the day free, what would you do? I know what I would do. Wow, I'd probably go do what Judy's doing. She's... I'd go to my hotel and sleep all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get real drunk. Well, actually, that's what I did in New York a lot. Yeah. And had a really good time, by the way. Yeah, Jude's hitting all sorts of touristy spots, uh, riding the subway, going to a sh- I think she's going to go to a show tonight. Uh, hasn't chosen which one yet, and uh, just do uh, well. I'd probably go to the uh, Ground Zero thing. Um, oh, great! So now anything I say makes me look like a bad American. Well, yeah. now my my tour of the comedy clubs of legend. Now I'm now I'm a jerk. Makes you look like a bad American. Um, <clears throat> just because everybody I know who's gone there has said it's it's incredibly moving and important. Yeah, I haven't checked that out. Um, the museums, I just did. The, the big museums in Central Park are just the best I've ever been. I've been to a lot of museums around the world. Or I'd sneak into Yankee Stadium, run around the bases, and yell, I'm Reggie Jackson, I'm Reggie Jackson. <laughs> One of those two things. <laughs> What's coming up for news, Marshall? Well, the U.S. has worked out a deal with the Chinese telecom company regarded as a security risk by U.S. defense experts. What's up with that? What's up with that? Uh, next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. One thing about the radio facilities here in New York. Did you say this building covers an entire block? Yeah. 
the, the whole dis- city block. The distance from the studio to where you get coffee is like, I don't know how far that is. Yeah. Yeah, I really want more, but I don't have. I was late getting back once, and I don't have the guts to try it again. I got lost. It's a long way away. Yeah, I need people that carry me on one of those things. What are those things called? Where you see a rickshaw, a litter, a litter, rickshaw, litter, litter, something like. Well, not a litter. I don't want to lay down like I'm in mash. I'm like I'm the king, and they carry me. Well, right. What do you call those where you're sitting on the throne? It's a throne on a litter, isn't it? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the U.S. and China, it turns out, are moving to strike a deal to save the Chinese telecom giant ZTE. The com- we better be getting something good for that, because they, that's an arm of Chinese intelligence. Yeah. The company's future had been threatened by tough U.S. sanctions. The U.S. had accused ZTE of violating sanctions on North Korea and Iran, and a lot of our defense experts warned that a lot of the ZTE product has spyware embedded in it. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross announcing the deal today that it will include a billion-dollar fine on ZTE. Ross also telling CNBC that a U.S.-selected compliance team will be embedded at ZTE. And what did we find out, Sean, that this is like the third or fourth most popular phone in America? Uh, it's, yes. it's one of the biggies uh, around the, the world. The world. I saw the, America. The, yeah. the, the market share that. in America is quite small. And all the, 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 the leaders of our military, when asked, said, would you recommend any U.S. citizen have a ZTE phone? They all said no. Absolutely not. Wow. Right. A veterans Care Bill is in the books. It was signed by President Trump yesterday. The bipartisan deal gives veterans expanded access to private care at taxpayer expense. Now, previously... Finally. Yes. Previously, veterans had to wait months to see a VA doctor for any number of ailments. In the White House signing ceremony, Trump said vets will now have more choices for their medical care. What a beautiful word that is. Choice. Supporters say the measure will help relieve the backlog of VA health centers around the U.S., but some critics are warning that the bill is part of a broader Republican effort to privatize the VA. Yes, it is, and that would be completely appropriate. The uh, president also touted the earlier signing, it was a a while back, of the ability to fire pieces of crap law, uh, the act um, that enabled some cleaning out of the VA. And it's worth noting that the federal uh, bureaucracy unions, the... um, uh, what am I, the public employee unions right. are fighting it truth and nail. They are fighting the idea that if somebody is openly, egregiously, indefensibly abusive to our nation's vets, and they're caught at it, and the, the, the investigation's done, and they are clearly a bad, bad egg abusing our vets, that they shouldn't be fired. How dare you fire them? They can't be fired. This is why you must resist big government systematically, instinctively at every turn. Government is its own constituency. And and once it becomes too big, you work for it, bitch. It doesn't work for you. Remember when we were at that um, conference at the, the, the Hoover people at Stanford, that healthcare expert, showing the difference between medical care with the VA and just the private sector medical care and how much better it is on every level. Mm-hmm. In the private world than it is for our veterans. And the whole point of the whole veteran thing is that they're going to get something better. Right. Cheaper right. and better. It's the opposite. It's more expensive for everybody and worse. And there are, I want to say this, there are people at the VA who are busting their butts every single day to do the very best they possibly can for our nation's veteran. And I love you people and, and thank you for doing that. But y'all, and some of you have confided this in me and us, Y'all are fighting the bureaucracy all the time to deliver that care to the vets. And you just, 
you know, you just have to understand the way these things work because they always work the same way. It's the iron law of bureaucracy. Turns out the National Institutes of Health is now funding the largest Alzheimer's study in history. The lead researcher, Michael Weiner of the University of California, San Francisco, says the study, which is looking for volunteers, comes at a critical time for all of us. Over 5.5 million seniors have Alzheimer's disease, and that number is going to go to almost 14 million by 2050. Alzheimer's is caused by a couple of proteins that can be detected on brain scans and then treated but the good doctor says scientists haven't shown yet that these treatments can slow the progression of the disease. So another point in this study. We're trying to find the best way to detect and diagnose Alzheimer's disease in people, even people who are normal, who don't have any symptoms. And then how we measure the change in Alzheimer's disease over time. Launching the war on Alzheimer's. Kevin Durant. Stole the show with a playoff career high 43 points. The Warriors rallied to beat the Cavaliers 110 to 102 in Game Three of the NBA Finals. Durant drilled a dagger three from 33 feet out with less than 50 seconds left as Golden State grabbed their three-zip lead in the best-of-seven series. After the game, the Cavs, LeBron James, looking ahead. I mean, it's definitely a tough loss, and uh, we had our chances, you know. But we have another opportunity on Friday. Um, you know, to, to win on our home floor. No matter... That's right, LeBron. That's the attitude. Never say die. Even after losing game four. Don't demand the fifth game. <laughs> Never <laughs> say die. Eyes always forward, checking out real estate properties in other NBA cities, seeing where, you know, public school systems. He's a family man. He wants to make sure his kids go to the right schools. You got He's got a lot of work to do this offseason. How, how, how do you likely do you think this next game is his last in a Cleveland uniform? Uh, how likely is it his last? Like 90%. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. He's so. got a house in L.A. already, right? Yes. Because somebody broke into it last year or right. a year or two ago. Boy, yeah. that'd be something. But does he want to be in the same conference as the Golden State Warriors? That's the biggest argument. If he argument. has the right teammates around him, yeah. Go ahead. You're sportsy, Sean. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the biggest argument against him going to the West Coast is the fact that his consecutive finals streak is mm-hmm. now kind of its own thing. Um, oh. so, so him staying in the East Coast where he can still be the dominant force and then meet up with whatever West Coast team is. But is how, most likely, how, about the, how about the Celtics? It's a culture, not a costume. <laughs> <laughs> no, he and Kyrie don't like each other. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, he goes to a a team with even decent, slightly more decent players, and he's in the finals again next year. I mean, that's, so it would and that's quite a run he's got going. Pretty I mean, much, that's that's a, quite a legacy run he's got going. Pretty much any team that he would join in the East would be the favorites to make the finals next year. How about uh, as an old Bulls fan? How about Chicago, Sean? Uh they see. That seems like a, a a lateral move in terms of his supporting cast. I don't think he wants yeah. to go and rebuild they somewhere suck, else. Is what you're trying to yes. say? Okay, okay. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation. It's not going to go to Toronto because that's a foreign land, foreign <laughs> ways and customs. What do they use there? The drachma, the shekel. And you, you, you don't even know what your paycheck's worth. He doesn't speak the language. Right. He paid in loonies. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> and we got to figure out what we want to talk about coming up. God, the one thing is when we get off the air, we start our all-day meeting fest with a bunch of different people here in New York. I, for one, can't wait. <laughs> well, you know how we like meetings. Oh, please. Uh, we'll peter out coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. City blocks in a mile, roughly. I'm a country kid, so I don't know that. You know oh, that? gosh. I remember learning that once. Like 12 or something. Yeah, something like We're that. We're eight-tenths of a mile from the World 12. Trade Center, or where the World Trade Center was. It's 12? Uh, between okay. 8 and 12, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so there's like any 10. national mandate for how big a block is. So we're like 10 blocks away from the World Trade Center. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. You're wanting to visit that? Uh, Yeah, I'm wanting to visit a bunch of stuff, but I can't. Okay. Yeah. Then don't. All right. Live your life. You know, dance to someone else's tune. Go ahead. All right. Live your life that way. That's how I've always lived. So far, so good. It's a business trip. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I know. I just wish we could have stretched it out a little bit, but I'm uh, I'm going to go down you know, s- to D.C. and see my kid. Yeah, the reason I um, booked the ridiculous flight that I did yesterday, where fl- fly from West Coast to Denver have 30 minutes between planes, which means by the time you get on and off, you don't have time to do anything. I mean, nothing. And the, and there were lines everywhere, so I couldn't even get a bottle of water or anything. Like wow. That. Get right back on the next plane. So what you, a drag. So you got your ass in a seat for like eight hours. Just sucked. But the reason I did that was I went home because I, I could have booked an earlier flight, had more time, blah, blah, blah. Or I could go home and see my, my uh, six-year-old for an hour and a half. And I did that. And we sat on the floor and built Legos together. And That's it was a freaking beautiful awesome, thing. and it was way better than if he hadn't seen me for another day. So, Of course, you had the terror flight from hell, unfortunately. With people actually screaming at the tops of their lungs, which was uh, entertaining on some level. In existential fear. Well, they thought they were dying. This is what other people look like when they think they're going to die. Yes. yes. Which, which briefly rattled me till I reconvinced myself. Luckily, my, my logical self takes over fear on those kind of things relatively well. I can get, I can scream. I can sing, I could sleep, I could strip naked, I could stand on my head. None of these things would have any effect mm. on whether or not we crash. No I need can, to add to the other passenger's terror I, by stripping naked. I can worry or not worry has zero effect on anything. <laughs> I recommend Honey, singing. the plane's going down, and I think he's a rapist. <laughs> What's that, Sean? I recommend the singing next time. Just bust out a show tune. Oklahoma is... Maybe you can get some people to join in. <laughs> oh, we're all gonna die, and it's gonna be grand. <laughs> Come on, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, y- there's neither fight nor flight available. What, <laughs> Who are you going to fight? What if I Who did are you going to fight? What if I did a semi-serious comedy bit and I just went around, final thought, if, if we're going to die here in the next couple of minutes, what's a one thing you'd like to remember? Or you, <laughs> you can tell one thing to your loved one back home. Right. Or something you might want to text him. I don't know. Now, listen. You'd say at the end, everybody, we're going to be fine because we got the best pilot in the world up front. I want you to go home and I want you to say those things. And every, oh, everybody, oh, yeah. That'd be a beautiful thing. Tears streaming down their faces. Oh, He's as changed. urine streams down their legs. He's changed my life forever. Right. Who was that bald-headed, <laughs> psycho-killer-looking dude? He's wise. Uh, Boy, I feel bad about how comfortable and easy my flights were. I, I, I'm guilt-ridden over that now. Mm. Not really. <laughs> no, not really. So, I was looking uh, at those people in first class, though, and just thinking, you... Of course, they got their service. A lot of flights, the the, co- the cost between coach and first class is so much. Yes. I regularly think, you know what? 
I'm going to I'm going to do it this time. And then when I actually look at it, I think, do I want to spend twelve hundred dollars to be a little more comfortable for two hours? It's like six hundred and fifty bucks for Hamilton. It's just so you can tell people you went. Or would I if I'm going to just waste twelve hundred dollars, would I rather buy this or this or this or this? And then I always end up not spending the money. Well, on a flight like yesterday where nobody was getting any food or drink and everybody was screaming and we were stuck there for five hours. Eh, first class would have been pretty nice. So, you know, it, it, all of this depends on how much money you have. Of course. Like, we made the, the point many times. Uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Charles Barkley, those guys, they have to play $1,000, $10,000 a hole on the golf course. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. So all this stuff's relative. You know, maybe I spend 70000 bucks on a car. You can't imagine that. The next guy spent 270000 bucks on a car. It's all about how much money you have. But in terms of entertainment, Judy wanted to go to Hamilton, and the tickets are six hundred and fifty bucks. Honest to God, because the scalpers, the scalpers were selling them for that, and so the producers and the creators said, "Well, it's crazy that a scalper would get that money if the average person sitting in the seats paid I'm fine that, with that. I'm fine. With I that. ought to get that. I do too. It's yeah. free market. It's fine. I'm surprised um, that doesn't happen more often. But if you go to like a really, really good movie, you know, everybody picture your favorite movie, whatever it might be." That's a hell of a fun experience. And what will it cost you? 10, 12, 15 bucks, depending on where you are. Yeah. You don't know that going in, though. And you see a lot of dogs. Well, yeah, but you, no, no, come on now. It's the Godfather Part 2. Everybody's just absolutely soiling themselves with glee over <laughs> Whatever. You know? So you go, you have a. Is that what you do when you like a movie? Oh, if I like it enough. Yeah. That's why I have to wear plastic pants to the movie. I soil myself with glee. Oh, yeah. That's not glee. (laughs) That smell isn't glee. So, uh, so, but you get a certain amount of pleasure for that 10, 12 bucks, right? So then you go to an NBA game, it's like 150 bucks or 200 bucks, whatever. Sure. And then you go to Hamilton at 650 bucks. Now, if you had 65 times as much pleasure at Hamilton as you did in the movie theater, the human body couldn't endure it. You would have like <laughs> orgasm after orgasm sitting there and you just you'd, you'd probably pass out. Right. And there ought to be some sort of scale where entertainment is priced on that ratio. Yeah, it'd be like having an orgasm high on heroin during a total eclipse. <laughs> exactly. Atop Mount Everest. <laughs> there we go. And now it's time for final thoughts with those two hotties, Armstrong and Getty, and the other guys too. Uh, that was uh, Stormy Daniels right there. Here is your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Wouldn't that be fun? Hey, Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yeah, it turns out that uh, the internet is going underwater. Microsoft has placed one of its data centers on the ocean floor off of uh, the, the shore of Scotland. They're doing it as a way to help the, the ocean keep the servers cool. They're using it as kind of a cooling mechanism. What about the whales? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> I like the way you pronounce the H in whales. <laughs> cool whip. Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Uh, Joe, since you're close to New Jersey, find Governor Christie and tell your best fat joke in person. Get that off, Get that off your bucket list. Beautiful. Marshall Phillips, Dean of Radio Newsman, what's your final thought? Well, i got to tell you guys, I've hit a bit of a wall, so I'm going to go out and get some new activewear after work to expire my push-up regimen. Ten push-ups in a row by the end of this month. Not a chance, and I'm on your side on this, but not a chance. You buy more outfits than Mariah Carey. Hey, hey. <laughs> Jack, here we sit in the greatest city on earth. Do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, I do, and I, I just want, we're on in a lot of cities with, with big homeless problems. 
In New York City, I've seen two homeless people so far. That's unbelievable. It's about policy. It's all about policy. Let's think about that. and Let's pressure people. I have two final thoughts. Number one, a guy in Texas uh, beheaded a rattlesnake, tried to pick up the head an hour later, and it almost killed him. So don't pick up the uh, severed heads of any rattlesnakes. Second thought nice is tip. everybody at uh, WOR Radio 710, legendary New York station, has been above and beyond the call of duty. Really helpful and cool and, and helped this come off of 3,000 miles from home. So uh, thank you, everybody who worked on this, including you guys back at home. Nice job. Yeah, we'll have more stories, I'm sure, when we get back. We have to speak at this conference, though, and people are going to be jotting down notes wanting to know what we have to say. Oh, and the autographs, please. (laughs) We'll see you. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here! Get! Get! And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over! What? Bye-bye. And Donald Trump's biggest complaint was that he's not allowed to watch porn in the White House. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.